this is part two. Part two. We are driving through some heavy, heavy forest road. This is Slough. 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 Frick! <laughs> I'm never gonna get that name. In the woods. It's dark. It's spooky. Um, Corey, again, how do you describe this? What we're driving? Um, it, again, it's like low light. Uh, reproduction or I call it reprod timber so it's smaller timber but it's actually these days getting closer to the size of timber that they log anymore so they they may come back through here and and log it in the next three years or so um, or sooner maybe I mean some of these look like they're about the size that they want to log these days but uh, that's because we don't have as much old growth anymore uh, which is kind of sad, but that's why I like to get out in the woods and check out, you know, the old, the new, and just see what our, see what's happening in the woods. But uh, again, a lot of slough, a lot of brush. Uh, we've seen one grouse, no deer, surprisingly. It's kind of spooky, cloud cover over, yeah. a lot of trees. I mean, as you know, the trees lined. Like Corey says, you never know what you'll find hunting. So Bigfoot, cougar, black bear, he just... Bigfoot. Yeah. In the, what have, I've probably been hunting for uh, 30, 30 some years, over 30 years. Um, never seen a Bigfoot. <laughs> All those, if you do watch those Bigfoot hunter shows, those knocking sounds and everything, I've heard all of those, but usually that's a squirrel throwing pine cones out of a tree <laughs> so um so Corey's very optimistic about seeing the bigfoot today and usually like those screams that you hear and the howls howls and animals make some strange noises like uh elk bark just like a dog and sometimes they sound like a scream so or ravens the ravens can make all kinds of noises but anyway yeah so we are we're driving around still we're going to talk about three parts we're going to talk about one what it's like to buy your brand new home so if you never bought a home we're going to tell you the ins and outs and what we've both experienced two we're going to talk to you have your first home and now it's on to buying your second home and how to do that contingent offers just buy what to do again we've both been through it and then three you want to buy your first investment home uh, we both bought our investment home before sold our investment homes. Uh, so we're gonna talk about let's buy our first investment, what to do, what not to do. As we drive on more out of the underbrush and back onto we'll, Forest Road, the old logging road. Yeah, we'll head up another branch here. Branch, I just, that's what I do when I'm out driving around looking for grouses. I just kind of take every little, little road I come across to see what's there. We're recording on the front, although it keeps kind of bending up, so I'm going to try to pin it down. We're using some high-quality electrical tape. Oh, and it's leaving gook on my... Oh, shit, on your screen? On my window, that's all right. Uh, all right, we're going straight up a mountain again here. Um, so, first time home buying. Uh, Corey was going to start it off and explain his experience, first time home buying, and we'll kind of bounce around with that to start with yeah um, so first time home buying can be daunting it can be scary it can be stressful it can be what well, kind of stress do they call it eustress is the technical term but it's not used very often and eustress is a good stress and so another relation to that would be like getting married it's exciting and fun and scary and all of the things that you experience when you're going through that process so buying a house is very similar um, but talking to new buyers oftentimes what I hear and what I experienced myself was how do we even start well uh, a couple of things you to start you really want to take a look at your finances and see if you have any outstanding things that you didn't know about before. Meaning like you forgot to pay Comcast or, Comcast or yeah. just any negative 
hits on your your credit. Um, or you're like me and just don't pay it, and then it comes back to. Yeah. I mean, life happens. Sometimes those things happen. But, oh, it's uh, a pride thing. I don't want to pay them. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have any of those pride outstanding things you don't want to pay, you need to get rid of those few hundred dollar things. And nothing not like it was crazy. Yeah, because once you start talking to a lender, which should should be your next. Well, it could be in tandem. You could talk to a lender and a, a realtor at the same time. But ultimately, you're going to need financing. Generally, you're going to need financing. So you talk will. To, I mean, yeah. most will. Most will, yeah. yeah. Unless you came into a bunch of money somehow. I mean, there is a one-something point billion dollar Powerball out there right now. But I bought a ticket. Did you buy one? No. It's tonight, I think. I'm hoping I just win without okay. buying one. You, the drawings tonight. <laughs> now, I got you covered. If I win... You've heard this on camera and podcast. I got Corey covered. We're getting matching Ferraris. They're maybe different colors. I'm not sure. We'll see. You don't have to get the same color. Just we got to race Ferraris. Yeah. We take it out to the motorsports track here in oh, Shelton. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> sorry to segue you there. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, there's. You, you want to start that conversation with a lender because generally you're going to need financing. So. If you had not found anything on your credit or you just didn't want to take a look at it until you talk to a, a lender, those things are going to come up. So at that point, you are going to want to know, uh, or they're going to tell you like, hey, I found this on your credit and you need you should probably get that fixed first so that we can get you a better rate. Yep. Um, or you say, we'll take care of it as we go along, which that could be a possibility, but generally you'll probably want to take care of whatever issue is on your credit first. And uh, they'll tell you how much you're qualified for, what your payments are, what your interest rate could be, but that fluctuates until you lock in. And- What is lock in again? Locking in is- Well, uh, locking in the rate. Yeah, locking in the rate would be like, we found a house and we've made an offer. Your offer's accepted. We tell your lender, hey, we got this offer out there and they accepted their offer. We're moving forward. And now they lock in your rate. What your loan is gonna be with the interest rate of the loan. Right. And you can do that ahead of time before finding the home, but it only lasts, I believe it's three months. You'll have to verify with the lender of how long the loan lock-in rate locks in for. So if it's a really low loan lock-in rate and they think it's going to go up, you can lock it in ahead of time, but then you have to find a home or you have to pay extension fees and you may not want to do that. So we usually just say, talk to the lender, get everything set up and you wouldn't go buy. Well, I, I just, I don't understand. Some buyers don't get it, but I want to know how much I can buy. So that's why I would go talk to the lender first. Cause it's like, Hey, you're pre-approved for 600,000. Great. You don't have to use it all, but I want to know how much money I can, my buying power is to go look at homes. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've had buyers and whether it's just out of pure ignorance or they just want to go look at homes. I don't get excited uh, to yeah, start against the, before I, the horse. I, you're right. I would highly recommend and, and some agents just flat out won't show you homes until you get until you talk to a, a lender um, and get the pre-approval letter that's what it's called a pre-approval letter yeah because really we're wasting valuable time and efforts to show you a home where we don't even know if you're qualified for it or um, which has happened a lot of times yeah so or you're looking at a home sorry I keep cutting them off way oh, overpriced that you can't buy yeah and if you look at a home that's overpriced of course you're going to like the house that's more expensive because it's going to look better than the one that might not be as expensive. And I mean, that, that's a general term, but, or a general idea, but I, I can't tell you how many times I've, cause I'll generally, I'll show you a home, one or two homes before we have a pre-approval letter. Um, usually only one, because again, I, I don't, I don't want to waste time showing you something that you may not be approved for and get your hopes up for something that we just don't have a shot at. And if, if we get your hopes up on these more expensive homes, now you're going to go into looking at other homes with a tainted vision of like, 
I wish I had a little bit more money to buy this other home. And none of these these homes that I can afford are good. And um, so it, it doesn't do anybody but any favors. Uh, it just gives you, it changes your perception on what you're looking at. And that's not to say that the homes that you are approved for aren't good. It's just that you get to happen. Yeah, you just get set on these really nice houses. Well, everybody wants the million dollar home and then they're only pre-approved for, I mean, it's like Zillow. What, you got a $13 million home saved on Zillow? <laughs> I show my wife all the high-end ones. She's like, really? Yeah, $5 million to buy this investment piece of land? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. the same kind of MO. So pre-approval, just get pre-approved. And then we know what you're working with. So, okay, our max is 600. You don't have to go house poor and go to 600, but hey, I want to look at homes at 500. And then you have the option of like, you know what? I really like that one at 550. You can go up to there for 600 or so forth. And it may be a market that say you're approved for 500, but you want to, you know, it, you want to look at a house that's 520. That we may be in a market. That's why you have a realtor that you ask questions of. We may be in a market that says, hey, you know what? This house to me looks like it's overpriced. We might be able to get it at that 500. Um, so that is this market right now, by the way. Yeah, beyond a doubt. So most of the time, we'll say just try not to look at things that are over your your approval amount or the amount that you want to spend. Um, but if we need to, we can look at markets, and each area is going to have a little different market base as well, which I think we'll kind of touch on in, when we get to the, our third point of investing at homes. Yep. Um, and I'll share my story, which you can learn from my mistake. <laughs> Sorry, I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and I, 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 be? No. I don't know. I wouldn't even say it's a mistake. It just, it's the market, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, um, so they get pre-approved. So you're ready to do the journey. You're ready to buy a home. First step is pre-approval. Call an agent and we'll recommend good lenders, unless you wanna just Google and find your lender online. And then they'll always try to send you real estate agents as well, but use Corey and I. I mean, that's just, let's just start there. Use Corey and I as your realtor or real estate agent. And then let us know, hey, I need to get pre-approved. Boom, we'll send you the top three lenders. We like the local ones. You can always check national, but there's always hiccups with nationals. No offense, and I should say that as opinion, Mm -hmm. There seems to be hiccups, so we'll recommend more of the local lenders that have just as great rates, but it's a lot easier with the local lenders because they're physically here. You can talk to them, you go in their office, and you usually they know talk the, to them on the weekend too. Oh, the weekends, and then they know the small local laws and regulations, everything else with regards to lending. So you get pre approved, then once you're pre approved, we start looking at houses and we we start narrowing down what exactly the house is that you want your wants and needs and and once you've found that well that brings up a good point how because i've had a lot of clients scatter like a shotgun we'll use some um grouse hunting terms right now we i've had buyers scatter like they don't know what city they want they don't know what house who's in charge is huge like who's actually making decisions pulling the trigger again no unintended of yes we can buy this or yes let's do it um, what amenities need to have all that sort of stuff what's your best best recommendation of narrowing that down as a new as a new buyer well yeah you definitely have to uh, with your partner you need to be on the same ground of what you're you're looking for because we can waste a lot of time uh, and we can waste a lot of time if we start making offers on places and then you turn around and say, never mind, I don't want this place. Um, not that we don't like that. If you change your mind, absolutely. Fair yeah. enough. Like, we're not going to be like, no, you need to stick with it. There is definitely a lot of, you know what, Ron, we slept on it. I always try to have my buyers sleep on it and yeah. then make the decision. I do too. Because 90% of the time, next morning I've seen it where they all call and cancel and I'm like all right well we should have slept on it not waste time build up all the stress sleep on it find the home if you have time if it's a bidding war and you got to make a decision that day that's tough that's a your call yeah but have your hard lines with each other and say this I'm not willing to part with 
this aspect of a home or I'm not willing to uh, pay this this amount for a home or you know have those hard lines with each other get on the same page there's gonna be compromises on what you guys want um, mine's not you want to hear mine sure what my my compromise number one flat driveway I want a level freaking driveway I do not want to slant it up or down I don't want to walk out and have to I just I want a flat driveway I like washing my car being around my car letting the kids ride the bikes out there chalk sidewalk I mean everything flat driveway that's like a no no bend at least mine yeah uh, it's huge for me uh, garage man cave space backyard fenced or not fenced I can fence it in myself I want neighborhood not cookie cutter but I like somewhat a neighborhood but then I'm also like I want extreme country so I'm all over the board on that one um, I think that's it I don't know. What's yours? Um, I'm curious. I would say now that I'm in my current home, which, I, you know, I, I have an enjoyable space as far as yard, but I like to have space. And space meaning, like, outside of my home. So my hard line is I will likely never buy a house as I, like a cookie-cutter house, as I call it, which is a home that's in a community that is just house to house to house to house that are like maybe three or three or four different types of homes but generally the you know same type of home and you have a little postage stamp yard not to say there's anything wrong with those because each type of home is best for other people some people like that no maintenance yeah and whatnot i'm with Corey though and having more land is definitely definitely big yeah so my my deal is really the outside and space having space and privacy okay cool and i think that's you know got to narrow your search down so mine easy now i can take away any house as a slanted driveway has to be flat done so now we don't even look at those because there's no way i'm willing to compromise on that now everything else kitchen bathrooms i don't care i know i'm getting a smaller little closet space with the wife so whatever she can have her closet and big bathroom and I'm a guy with all that stuff. If I have a garage, two-car garage, three would be better. Stuff like that I'm okay with, but my hard line is flat driveway. So that's, I think, when we mean you have to cut down, what's your definite nose? And it's easy then, because once I cut those definite nose out, while well, we narrow down the search, taking all slanted driveways away, yard size, okay, what yard size? Like Corey said, cookie cutter is usually four to 8,000, maybe 12,000 square feet for the yard. All right, anything above 12,000 square feet would be a little bit bigger. You want a quarter acre? All right, we're going to older neighborhoods that have quarter acre land size. So now we start to narrow it down that direction. And those searches really help save so much time. Because mm -hmm. now we're not, we're putting boots on the ground, but we're not looking at everything that doesn't even meet your criteria. Sometimes you'll wave, you know, if, my, if the driveway's a little slanted, but my wife loves a home, <coughs> will I wave on it? I mean, like to say no but i probably would <laughs> it, well and so, sometimes and i've found this with first-time buyers like sometimes they just don't even know oh, yeah. exactly what those hard lines might be until we get our boots on the ground into some of those homes and that's fine too yeah it, very good point because sometimes if you if you're just used to renting um you don't take the time to look at those types of things and once you start looking at a home to buy, you start to realize, hey, I actually have a say in in these different types of amenities that I really want in a house. Yep. And they may exist out there. So you start getting into these homes that, you know, say they do have a bigger yard and more maintenance. And you're like, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to mow my lawn all the time. And, you know, so that's when you start to learn some of those hard lines or those things that you're like, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with my partner and let them know that I really don't want to have a big yard or I really want a bigger yard or whatever that may be. Yep. Absolutely. Communication's key. I know that's, do you see one? No, I turned the wrong way. Oh, did we? I wanted to go back that way. Okay. Um, so once you start narrowing down those home searches, you start going, you get your hard lines or lines that you know, and you start looking at homes with Corey or I, we start showing you homes. 
the next step as a first-time home buyer is pre-approval, start narrowing down your search, start looking at homes. I mean, we'll go, to be honest, if it's a really good home or it's in your area, we'll go look the first few days that's on the market. We'll let you know. We have a search set up for you. Start seeing the homes come from us, from Northwest MLS. Yes, you can use Zillow and all the other sites online. I get it. But ours come immediately from being listed in the MLS, which is multiple listing service for realtors where we put the stuff on, Realtors, where we put our listings on. Once you narrow down a home and you find a home, next step is? Uh, we make an <laughs> offer. We start, we start. <laughs> make an offer. <laughs> yeah, we, you, see, you see the home that you get, you were like, oh, that's the home I want. And uh, you say, hey, Corey or hey, Ron, I want to make an offer on this. Say, so, okay, great. And that's when we start talking details on the process or on the well yeah the process of what that offer is going to look like so we'll ask things like how much money are you going to put down which generally if we have an approval letter we'll see how much you're going to put down um, and how much earnest money you want to put on to a home so earnest money a lot of times is confusing to people of like well what is earnest money what am mm -hmm. I what yeah. am I doing with this money where does it go and am I just wasting this money and the answer is no you're not wasting your money you want to expand on that so earnest money basically is your deposit on the house so if we're gonna make an offer earnest money here in Olympia ranges between a thousand dollars to five thousand dollars down if it's extreme high-end home it can be ten twenty thousand but most first-time home buyers we're gonna be putting down a thousand to three thousand maybe five thousand earnest money will come directly off your loan amount when the home closes. So if the house is 400,000 and you put down 5,000 earnest money, you now owe 395 on the home. For any reason, once we put down the deposit, we'll have an inspection on the home. So that'll be part two. So we help you write that contract. We tell you how to make the offer, suggest like, hey, this is what we'd offer. This is negotiations, you know, let's ask for this inspection, five days of the home, all that good stuff. And if our offer gets home, because we're going to go back to how we make the offer, but if our offer does get accepted, not make home, if our offer does get accepted, then we then have three days, which is normal, uh, to put down the earnest money, the deposit. Now, for any case, if the home inspection goes bad, or we just can't come to terms on home inspection, or you just realize, hey, this foundation shot, you can cancel and get your earnest money back with that home inspection. It has to be a licensed and bonded home inspector. Yes, you can do the home inspection yourself nowadays as well. And Which, you... unless you're like a general contractor, you're very skilled, handy person, and you are confident in your ability to check all the things that should be checked. I just use a license and bond home inspectors, four hundred to six hundred dollars, somewhere in there, depending on the size of home. It's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Uh, not only do you have the report, or as I call it, the honey-do list, once you get your home and if there's items to do, you have the checklist. But two, uh, it kind of gives you, uh, if they miss anything, there is ramifications, this or that, but it's it's nice to have. So yeah. that's that's earnest money in a nutshell. It's the deposit you can get back if the earnest, or if the inspection goes wild. At the end of closing, it comes off the actual price of the home that you are buying. All right. so. Back to offers, we make an offer, we help negotiate with the offer. Yeah, so there's there's other fine details that go into making that offer. And again, those details are gonna change or fluctuate based on the, the current yeah. market and the home. So without going into like, cause I mean, it, it, I could go, we, we could probably go, go hours. on for yeah, <laughs> on specific details, but basically that that's numbers of days for say inspection period and um, uh, or a feasibility period or escalation clause. Uh, escalation clause and 22 AD yeah so there's there's a lot of nuance to those and those are things that we would discuss depending on the market it's going to fluctuate so we would talk about those things and what would make the most sense and how we would structure that offer and that's why you have a realtor to give you the best opportunity or best chance to win that offer with those nuanced details because well, we've been through it all yeah i shouldn't say all but we've experienced a lot of it and I personally mean, and 
with hundreds. We have hundreds and hundreds of clients. Yeah. We have. Sorry. No, yeah. It's it, And the bottom line is, is we try to make a deal as sweet as we can by talking to an agent, the, the listing agent, and asking them, you know, like what it... One of the things I ask is what what is the seller looking for? What do they need to have to uh, feel good about an offer? Yep. Doesn't mean that that's exactly what we're going to offer because we want to offer what makes you feel good as the buyer, as we're representing you. Um, but we want to give you the best foot forward, and yep. so that's again that's why you have a realtor. And that's I, I think negotiations huge experience on negotiating. Uh, we've had the experience with hundreds and hundreds of homes negotiating experience both of us have hundreds and hundreds of homes where we know how to read between the lines we know how to negotiate we know what to offer where that can save you 20 50,000 depending on what we're negotiating what we're doing and how not to be pushed when to push when to be a shark when not to when basically to win your main goal is Ron I want this home good now look game plan let's win this home and that's where we dive into detail and we can we'll make some podcasts with, we'll do that with some recommendations on, sorry, just, uh, um, how to make the offer. Yeah. But, all right, you get the offer signed off, good. Congratulations, offer signed off. This is what I call the starting period now because now, one, we got to get the earnest money in within three days, which is your deposit. We have to schedule the home inspection. Usually a home inspection, you have five to ten days Realistically, I like to get it done within five days and then get the response and negotiating depending on how that home inspection is. And then three, you get that purchase and sale agreement, the signed off contract over to your lender to start working on the loan process. Anything yeah, you know, just getting that loan process started and the lender will start to give you... Um, more specific numbers on like your payments and, and things of that nature. So you got all that started, you're going, you're, it, it may seem like, well, it, it is stressful because you're like, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to hit all these timelines so that I don't default on my, my, uh, contract. And again, that's why you have the realtor there to back you up and tell you, this is what needs to be done in this amount of time. And here's where you need to go and here's what you need, you know, we'll, we'll help you through all that process. And we give you, you know, an option of three, uh, home inspectors. You can choose any one of those three, or you can choose somebody else. It's, yeah. it's entirely up to you. Um, now we do have people that we've worked with quite often and we have a lot of, uh, trust in them. Uh, but again, it's your choice. You get to choose who you want. And, uh, we just help, we, we just give you recommendations. Yeah. Uh, so we've got, let's see, we've gotten through the offer, we've gotten the earnest money deposited. Yep. We- Home inspection set up. Have the home inspection set up. Now the- what's the lender's the, got the purchase and sale agreement, so they're yep. starting on the loan. You now are gonna go through the inspection. So we always recommend you to be there during the inspection if you can. If not, I have a lot of state buyers, out of state buyers, where we get the report and we'll talk on the phone and we'll say, what do you think? What do you, you know, and so forth. We'll go over the whole home inspection. And I call that the renegotiation period because we can either renegotiate for a lower price, have items fixed, or sometimes the seller says, I'm not doing anything, take it as is, or we'll do this and this. That's all depending on what we find in inspection, how to negotiate and what to do with the home inspection. Um, and just know as a, if a seller gives you, well, if they agree to allow you to have an inspection, even though they say it as is, you legally still have the right to ask for something. To negotiate. And yep. sometimes those items that may come up on an inspection are... Big ticket. Big ticket items that require to have lending go through, require it to be fixed. Some lenders won't lend on a house if, say... Let's say you had a. This is in scope panel. <laughs> yeah, let's say let's say you're a, a, a VA buyer, and the we'll say the easy one is like the exterior paint is chipping. It's just yeah. it's terrible. A lender is going to say, "I'm not I'm not lending on this uh, unless that gets fixed." So, 
we can always go back, even if they say this is as is, and say we want this fixed. Now, of course, the seller has the option to say, no, we'll, we'll just go back on the market or they'll fix it. But just know it's an option. Even though they say it's as is, you still legally have the right to ask for, for corrections. And if they say no and we can't come to terms, you hit an impasse, then we'll talk about options, but most likely then we cancel and get your earnest money back and move on to the next home. Yep. So get through the home inspection. After that, it's really, like we like to say, it's up to the lender now because the lenders had the purchase and sale agreement right when it, or the contract, right when it got signed off. The lender's been working with you behind the scenes on asking for pay stubs and yada, yada, yada. With It's like giving blood. I kid you not, my wife, through the homes we've bought and every time is like, are you kidding me? They want another form. That's the stressful part, I think, on my side with my wife and with the family is always asking for another form, another piece of paper. Hey, I need this verification. I need this to get the loan. And that is where I think a lot of the stress comes from. Because earnest money inspection, we're there and we can help you with that. The lending part, lender, if you got a really good lender, takes away a lot of that stress, but it's still stressful. Always trying to find a piece of paper and yeah. this and, oh, hey, we need this over here. Or, hey, we need this verified. And you're like, oh, so just take that with a grain of salt. It is literally like giving blood for the lending process all the way until the end. And now when I mean to the end, let's say you're getting to three days till close that's when we do the final walkthrough. So you're getting to close, we either check the items that we asked for them to fix during the home inspection, make sure it's all legit, ask for receipts and so forth. We also do the walkthrough, make sure the home's still there, there's no fire flooding. I've seen some of the stuff where they've left junk, there's been a window broken. We stop the buying process until that's fixed. You don't continue forward. And I've held a, on deals as the buyer's agent the day of say no lender do not fund that money until this item's fixed and that buyer needs to have that home member in the contract just as it was when we saw it when we first toured it so if something's off that's the whole point of doing a home walkthrough three days before make sure everything's good give the buyer in case we do see something give the seller some time to fix it up and then that's it you're closed you're recorded you're closed you get keys possession in washington state 9 p.m the day of recording so sometimes the seller is not out, which I've seen happen, until 9 p.m. that evening. So if you're expecting to get keys and move in Friday at 3 p.m., well, one, it usually records around 4 or 5 if they catch a second run to the title company to record it. And then two, sometimes that seller is not out until 9 p.m., which has only happened, I would say, a handful of times in yeah. my case. Um, most of the time they're already gone. But that does happen. Anything I've missed? No. I that's that's the down and dirty of it i mean there's always little little uh details that go in into all of that and, and you know like i said I, I won't go into that here but it's uh, a lot of monotony or a lot of little fine details that i think people lose lose sight of or don't don't quite know that exists when when negotiating for a home so well that's and that's why you have us because behind the scenes what Corey's trying to say in a nice way is we are doing so much behind the scenes we're talking to the lender we're talking to the title company we're talking to the listing agent we're making sure all these fine details all these little points are getting check mark check mark check mark so everything's moving forward you're not seeing all of that what we're doing and that's why we do work so hard and get paid it's because we're handling everything so when you come to sign at the end of the closing, it's all been taken care of. Or if the lender is running into issues, we're negotiating behind the scenes with the listing agent of like, hey, this needs to be done, or hey, here's what we're running into. I think there's so much. I mean, we can list off hundreds of things that, depending on the circumstance and the situation, you don't know. And half the time we're not telling you because it's just little minute things. Other stuff, we're legally, we have to tell you. And we are letting you know like, hey, just this happened, we're on top of this, or hey, we need to take care of this, or hey, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I, mean, nice I mean, the goal is, or my goal is really to not create more stress for you. If I told you every single step, I feel like it would just be like overwhelming. And that's not, I don't want to do that. Now I have had clients that want to know every single step and Oh, been there, right? Yeah, and it's... Uh... And we'll call and text you every day. Yeah. I've had a client, I've had a handful of clients 
I have talked to every day. My wife heard me talking to him every day, and she knows just by hearing me, like, oh, was that so-and-so? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that deal going? Mm-hmm. Yep. You can have every detail. We will literally let you run into that. I will say most of my experiences have been with lawyers or engineers when they buy that want every detail, and rightfully so. I get it. I like to know everything. At the end of the day, though, when it comes to it, as long as I keep my same purchase price and nothing changes and I get the home, I mean, that was my MO. Yeah. All right. So, you get the home. Congratulations. First time buyer. Cheers. Bottle of champagne. Yay. Any other details you want to go through, let us know. Mm-hmm. Part two of this. Part two on part two, because it's the part two of grouse hunting. So, you're, if you don't know, we are grouse hunting in the truck. National, not national forest, forest, forest land, forest road. It's dark. It's starting to sprinkle again. We are out here in the woods looking for Bigfoot. No, grouse. Corey's <laughs> looking for grouse. Or no, we're looking for grouse. Corey's not looking for Bigfoot. Um, I mean, if I see it, that'd be that'd be cool. That'd be fine. But I see. And if I keep saying um, take a drink while I'm um. If you're drinking while <laughs> listening to this podcast, fun drinking game brought to you by Ron and Corey. Corey and Ron. All right, part two of part two here. Part two is you have your first home. Congratulations. It's now time to buy your second home. As we say, contingent home sale. Uh, I guess I'll start with simply saying you have your first home and it's now you want to upgrade to a bigger home. You want to move to another side of the city, whatever the case may be with buying, move, selling and buying. We've been there. Corey and I both have. And so... I think it's a little stressful because it's another first. It's the first time selling your first home, which is a little hard in the beginning. For me, anyways, letting go of all the memories and the house and everything. Same with the wife. And then, I didn't let go of the wife, but the wife memories with the home. And then two, how do you buy your second home while owning your first home? Corey, what, you want to start it off? You want me to start it off? Uh, yeah, I'll start. It's, uh, I, I think there's, a couple of scenarios though that could play out with buying your second home and it's all dependent on your bank account and how much money you have in your bank account that could potentially change on how you purchase and what I mean by that is one one way which would be in my mind would be ideal is being able to purchase the second home without having to list my home that I currently live in because that would give me an opportunity to close on the new home, move all my stuff, get the old home squared away, and then list it. Yep. That gives me more time and a little bit less stressful. That's However, the optimate, op- optimal way. Optimal, but yes. not many people can do that. The so the the most common way that people do that is by again going through all those processes that we talked about in in part one with financing um finding out how much equity you have in your your current home because that's going to play a big part in buying power buying power yep how much you put down on a home and so essentially what you're going to be doing is you're going to be putting up your house for sale or you could be looking for a house once you got your pre-approval and you find the house that you want and now you start making those offers and you make those offers in a contingency and now in this current market there are people that are accepting sellers that are accepting contingent offers and what that means is you are stating in your contract that you have intent to buy their home but you have to sell your home first contingent home sale you have to be contingent on selling your home first to buy their home and it happens a lot we get a lot of contingent home sales as a seller don't mind taking the contingent home sale because i know i've talked to the listing agent that's going to list the home that's contingent we know the price point and if they do go under contract with you you get offer signed off they come in buy your home so we go around look for homes you get a home under contract and you have five days to list your home so we should have had the photo package already, pictures already taken of your home to list. We go around, find you a home, get it under contract, and then we list your home to go pending. 
And there's two ways. You can just list your home first, get it pending, and then go around and find a home. A little more stressful because if you don't find a home, you still have to go through with selling your home. And now you're in a rental for a little bit, short-term rental or a rental or RV or family or tent. Tent. <laughs> so uh, my suggestion would be out of those two options, go around, find a home, make an offer, make sure like myself and Corey know how to make that offer because we can describe and let the other agent know that's you're buying the home. Like, Hey, we have a contingent offer. We're aggressively priced at this price. We're listings ready. We'll have it up in, I like to say three days after we go pending with you, but you legally have five days, get it up and we'll get hopefully a buyer right away on our home. So then once our home closes, we can close on the home that we are now buying that new home for you. And our goal in that scenario is to close, close on that new home, maybe the same day Which, as the other one, yeah. maybe. It's, it's a tough order, but it, it, I've done same, it. If you use the same title company. Yeah, I, I've done it. Um, <clears throat> or you close on the old house Yourself. one day. And then you close on the new house the next day. Yeah. Which Johnny has one of those coming up. Yeah. And that, that is the, a little bit less stressful that way, just because it gives a day in between for, for escrow and, and lenders to get all their stuff together and, and all everybody signed and, and all that. So, and here's a question you're going to run into. Well, if I close on my home first and then close on the other home, how do I move everything out? Two options, in my opinion. One, get everything out and do storage units, family storage unit or storage unit or whatnot. Or if you use like Corey and I, we usually negotiate where you can close on your home, your home sale, and then usually ask for three or five days afterwards to stay in the home to clear it all out to then move in the new home. Now, likelihood of that happening depends on the buyer, depends on the market. Sometimes it's very easy. Sometimes buyers are like, no, I just bought a home. You need to be out. And to be honest, you're buying your new home. You don't want to rock the boat. So sometimes you have to do the storage unit and do a double move or you do the moving pods. You know, they come in, fill the pods up and then you, the pods drop that for your new house and you can take your time. Those are huge as well. So those are kind of the options you're going to run into because you have to be out of your house and then you're going to be in the new house. Now, if the new house is vacant, sometimes very rarely you can negotiate to start moving into that new home before you close on it. But again, and, very... I, and I've had buyers ask me that quite a bit. And the, the take I get from their response is kind of like, well, why do they care? I'm buying the house. Well, this is why, because there have been instances where at the very last minute, something happened where the loan fell through or uh, the buyer backed out something out the buyer of, goes and buys a brand new car before the loan closes do not do that because that just hits all your debt to income ratio do not buy a new car new clothes anything until you get that home yeah so just something out of the ordinary happens and then the whole thing falls apart and so a seller should be getting uh advice from their listing agent to not allow somebody to move in until that home has closed and recorded with the county. And that's just pure and simply because now if they allowed somebody to do that and move in, you as a citizen, <laughs> you have now these rights, not saying that you would, but you have these rights that are squatting laws. And pretty much it'd be hard to kick them out. Yeah. It could take four to six months, uh, sheriff, you're running two to $4,000 for the lawyer to get someone out in Washington state if they move into your home. Uh, so if someone moves in, they could be like, well, my loan fell through, where am I supposed to go? And that is very scary and a very big risk. So you have to trust and hundred percent. So usually we just don't do it. Yeah. It's, it's easier to just cut that out and just storage unit. Actually the, the ones they drop the storage pods off at your house, you fill it up, take your time, get filled up. They, take it to the storage facility they drop them off at your new home golden it costs a little money so just make sure you get that in there yeah bu buying a house is is never 
even if you are doing zero down, it's never free. I mean, you got to pay for inspection. You got to pay uh, earnest money. money. You got to pay closing costs. You got to pay moving, you know, so you do have to have some money aside. We, we missed that on point one. So if you're still listening, we'll have to go back to point one and add it or closing costs. Your loan will have closing costs at the end of closing at the home. When you go sign paperwork at the end, make sure you talk to your lender. You could have where you pay title and escrow fees and so forth. Four to eight thousand dollars we refinanced and had to pay three thousand, four thousand. So no matter what, refinance, closing costs, closing on a home, you do have fees at the end. So just be aware with your lender, even on a VA. You have to bring the table, 5,000, I've seen 10,000, I've seen buyers be like, I don't have 10,000 at the end. And that gets a little tough because then they're scrambling. So you need to make sure you're well aware of that as a first time home buyer, that you will have fees at the end to pay. Yeah. Yeah, it's super important that you have a lender that fully discloses all of that information because you could be really screwed if you and we've seen didn't know that i've seen corey as well that was not disclosed or let known and it's almost like baiting in the buyer buyer gets a loan gets in there and then doesn't have the money or is in trouble at the end and has to scramble and call mom and dad or whoever or even call the lender out and say i want you to pay this much yeah it happens and we've seen it seen it so that's contingent home sale there's a lot more to it we have to sit down and go over how everything falls in the step, plans, pricing, everything like that. But in a nutshell, again, quick executive summary, a little more detail. That was our contingent home sale. First time home buying and then first time home selling to buy another home. Do we miss any key points? Uh, no, I think so. That's the okay. down and dirty. Again, there's always little fine details behind that, but that's for another another podcast okay point number three we are now in a clear cut with what how old's this growth uh this is probably five year maybe we're in five year growth yeah, we're making a mess of your windshield we have the video camera going in the front and the tape is uh yes <laughs> smearing up Corey's front windshield gooby uh, gone will get rid of it there you go and well, there's like one big tree sticking out of almost like a telephone pole with a few branches out of all the new growth here and it's overcast cloudy sprinkling a little bit welcome to washington uh, underbrush is all per pretty much dead there's some salute slough slough you got the slough. second time slough there you go um threw it with a lot of dead ferns it's because it was such a dry dry summer this year hot too and we're just looking for grouse as we drive old logging roads here. So part number three, you want to be an investor. You want to buy your first investment. You want to make some money, either flipping or buying a rental. Corey and I have both bought investment homes. Uh, you know what, I'm excited because Corey did not make a mistake, but he has a good story to go with his investment. So he's gonna regale us. That's the word of the day I like regale today <laughs> regale us with um, Corey's he's powering up with some water uh, regale us with uh, his investment buy here so I bought <clears throat> or I guess should we start with your investment buy or start with how you do it or it's gonna be key points here let's do this key points investment buy if it's a secondary home you own a first home you have to have 20% down there's really no way around it uh, there's some gray areas, but we'll go into those as gray area investment buys later of how to get around the 20% down. But 20% down or cash, hard money loan buys. Hard money loan buys is like a sh loan shark, but hard money, it's not actually a loan shark, but gives you the cash and a lot of fees, a lot of fees to buy your secondary home. Uh, and you go buy it like any other normal home. And then you turn it either into a flip or a rental it's a flip it's probably off market most of the time sometimes they're on market and it's a really good deal like there's a lot of good deals right now you can buy to flip uh, if you know the market and how to play that game but let's just say this is a normal <laughs> secondary home either to flip or rental then we'll let Corey well start it off Corey yeah 
Yeah, so again, you're going to go through the same process with the lender. Um, but as Ron said, you're going to have to have that 20% down. Now, where that 20% down comes from uh, could vary. Like he mentioned, the hard money lenders or if you, what I, a lot of investors do is from their previous investment or their primary home, they will, uh, they will Hold take equity. home equity from, yep. from their previous investment or their primary. And in my case, I, we took from our primary, uh, or no. Well, did you pull equity out of your primary? Yeah, maybe we did. Yeah. Yeah. It was our either primary or we had the cash, but anyway, um, we did end up taking a, a, a HELOC from our primary to fix up the home. Home equity line of credit. Yeah. And so the intent, we had a couple of intents with this investment home. One was to have a vacation home because it was in an area that we, uh, we enjoyed and I grew up there a lot, uh, vacationing and um, I think oh, somewhere else. Okay. Um, and uh, so it was a place that we wanted to have for a vacation home, but we also considered having it as an Airbnb. Well, in the process of buying, we found that we could not have an Airbnb in that specific area, which, okay, fine. We were like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. We don't want to do that. Make sure your realtor or real estate agent always checks. Yeah. And <laughs> we, we could have backed out of it. We, we, uh, we were still within that guideline or that time we could have done that, but it, it didn't matter to us as much at that point. Um, so you still wanted the home, yeah, even we still though you couldn't it. use it as an Airbnb in that beach area, yeah, beach town. So that you know, we we if we wanted to, we could have got out of it, but I, you know, it's like yeah, it's a good opportunity for a flip because we were in a great market period, um, and I'm pretty handy. I, I can do basically everything you would need to do on a home and remodel, and and uh, so we continued with the purchase which is key. I made a podcast about that and we'll do another one. You need to know what the heck you're doing if you're going to be a flipper, if you're building. Yeah. And you can save or a remodel. Ton. You I can guess. save a ton of money by doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, but again, there's a lot of people that think they can do it themselves too and, <laughs> and can't. I just, I mean, it's just flat out. There's some people that should not be doing that. Oh God, I had, oh, we won't go into that, but I've seen, let's just say that I've seen a lot of stuff where I'm like, that's a remodel. I'm like, Oh, you know, and yeah, I mean, it gets the job done. Is it quality? I mean, maybe not to our standards. We have some good standards. We're not crazy with our standards, but no, basic clean call quality standards. Yeah. And I think that would be a good podcast for another day because I, there's specific things that I would look okay. at and, and, and call out. But, but anyway, okay. my whole intent was to just, cause we got the house for a really good price. And my whole intent was to just flip it at that point. And the market was still good. And so bought the house, started working on it. And wouldn't you believe it? Uh, every time I, the first time I went out there to start doing the heavy work, I blew out my back doing the work. So, Sorry about that. <laughs> so I had to wait time, wait to heal out, heal up. Getting old sucks. Market's starting to shift a little bit. I'm like, okay, great. This, this, not great. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Second time I go out there to really get to work on it again, I completely detach my bicep from my arm. Oh, that's the killer right there. And. Yep. So then I was like, well, now I got to hire somebody. God, you and your wife must have been having fun. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, tough crowd. <laughs> so um, I won't say it was a mistake, but it was a moment of learning because we had to wait so much longer to get it done. We missed the market. Like the day we went on the market, things just completely, the market just really kind of I won't say tanked, but it, it, it really shifted. And um, we immediately had an offer for what we had it listed at. 
and I don't remember exactly why they backed out, but they backed out. Oh, they wanted yeah, they wanted something really silly, and I think what they were requesting was really just a way for them to because they knew I would say no, and that was just a way for them to get out of it, which some people do because they get buyer's remorse. And so, after that, we never had anybody else, and we had to keep dropping the price, keep dropping the price, and by the time we ended up getting it sold we basically dropped we we got even we we broke even which is a win i mean at least you didn't lose yeah and had we had we been able to put it on the market a month earlier it would have been a a steal it would have been a fantastic investment but that's just that's the name of the game it's a market you can't predict what's going to happen we can we can try we can try and say we foresee this happening and that's what we took a shot at, and <laughs> we broke even. So, uh, key is timing's everything. Because with the flip, the market, your timing, from the start of getting that investment home to the start you want to be done, I usually plan on one month, maybe two months, because the market can shift that fast. If you're going past one to two months with going in and just completely renoing, painting, bathroom if you're doing it yourself you need to and Corey hit some hard rows like double hit whammy just killed him because he could have had that done in a month or two at the most could have got it all done all the work didn't have to pay anybody got it on the market and could have walked away with a great chunk of money but he kept getting hit left and right and if you are not prepared for that and you can't don't make it a rental because you can worst case scenario make it a rental then wait a year hopefully the market's better wait two years but if we need the equity back or that money back and it doesn't make sense as a rental, you need to be ready for all those contingencies. I mean, that's just, that is, because the market can shift like that in a blink. Just like the market right now is completely down. And you buy right now and if the market just spiked, you'd be in hog heaven. You'd be like, all right, I just saved 50, 100,000 right now. And so I think that as your first time investor, one, you need to be able to do the work yourself. Two, it's like any other home buying practice. You need the 20% down, but being able to do the work yourself, have a ready price of, if you're gonna use us to buy, then you're gonna use us to sell, and we'll be ready with the price point to sell to help you be like, all right, you ready? Once you do all this, here's gonna be your price point to sell. Let's get it on the market and get ready. Let's get pictures. We'll have everything lined up so you can turn and burn immediately with that listing. Trying to think what else for first time investors. Um, Knowing which market area is going to get the best bang for your buck is important like knowing because each area is going to have its specific little niche that it's it's going to sell so for example my place that we bought is saturated with listings i mean and at this time we were low inventory everywhere but this one place was just saturated with listings similar homes to what we had and and that was a bit of a pitfall as well because we're competing with all these other houses in this little community that it's really more of a vacationing spot and you couldn't turn that one into an airbnb unless you wanted to do it illegally which some people do um and so it's just knowing little specific areas of where you're planning on investing and just having an uh, agent that knows those smaller details when you're buying a place like is this a good place to have an investment home for a rental or an airbnb or um whatever your plan is for that investment does it does it make does it make sense in that specific area to buy that as an investment home will it work for you which is huge for Corey because we all need to start somewhere we all need to learn and this was years ago for Corey, so props on him for sharing because to be honest it's we're always learning as real estate brokers and location i preach a hundred percent constantly about location and so when you use us, you, we'll find you the best location. We'll tell you. We have experiences, both buying. Uh, I can go into mine for hours, so I may do mine another day. Um, you know, and, but I'm always about location. One location, two about redoing it up and making sure. Now, Corey would have won if he just didn't kill himself with the arm, with the leg, because of the <laughs> yeah. price he got at. He still knew the market. He still knew the location, but 
the price he got at, you couldn't beat it. So that was the whole point until the market tanked and it did. That was, yeah, that was interesting. And so with that being said, sorry, we're both looking for grouse. Uh, looks like a little grouse, good grouse road. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, call us. We'll help you figure out, hey, Ron, I want to flip. Okay, well, here's the platforms. Here's where we can search for them. Here's how we're going to get the money. Here's where we're going to look. Are you handy? Can you remodel a full bathroom? If you can't, we need to talk about that. Okay, maybe just plumbing. You need someone to help with plumbing? Fine. Easy. We'll find a plumber. You can do the cabinets, tiling, drywall, paint, trim. And that all needs to look spot on. If the trim's off, trust me, we'll know. Corey and I are going to make a podcast on how to spot good flippers, bad flippers, cheap flippers. If it looks like a cheap flip and the trim's off, the paint's off, or you just painted over the old 1980s trim, drives me crazy. What else did they just paint over just to try to make a quick flip? Those are all keys to look for and signs to look for. So use us as your resource as a first-time investor and use our experience and we'll be straightforward and honest and let you know this is your game plan. Let's line it out for you and show you what you need to do. I think that's it for today. Yeah. We're going to get back to grouse hunting. We came in some mossy forest. I may want to stretch my legs and just look for a second. Yeah. Go uh, hike for some grouse. So if you have questions, call Corey. Call us. Use our knowledge. First time home buyer, first time home buyer, and then selling to contingent to buy another home, or even a first time investor. We have the experience and the knowledge in real estate. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts. It's a creepy little forest. Let's go find Bigfoot. <laughs> I mean, a grouse. <laughs> Thank you for joining. See you guys later. See ya. Bye.